Hey guys, welcome to this episode. This is such a controversial topic and this is all about trophy hunting with uh, Blood Origins. Um, what Blood, um, what Blood, Origins, Blood Origins are doing, um, are, are, they are a brilliant, brilliant company. If you haven't heard of them, check them out. They are putting so much back into communities and to promote the way hunting should be and, and the way the world works. It is well worth investing um, a bit of time. Check them out. Um, like I said, this is about trophy hunting um, and and a bit about Blood Origins um, brand. So, um, a big thank you to Robbie for chatting to me. Um, but before we delve in, just uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, see more content like this, interesting people. Um, so let's hit it. I mean, how did this all come about? How did Blood Origin start? I mean, this is... Sure. Um, it's, uh, to, to sort of, you know, make, to not draw it out too far and too long, you know, I was desperately looking for a... Um, I was desperately looking for a voice that would represent who we truly are as hunters and hunting. End of story. And I couldn't find it because all the voices out there were a little introspective. They were all focused on, on the hunting community and they were all focused on self. And nobody was really saying, well, how are we supposed to, we're not, we don't seem to be doing a very good job communicating what hunting is, what hunting does, who hunters are to the non-hunting majority that, as you know, essentially is the voting block that keeps our lifestyle alive. And Nobody was doing it, so I decided to take that on. I took on that massive challenge globally, and that was four years ago. And every day, we just increase the reach of our voice. We amplify our voice. And I'll tell you what, I know that I made it like three weeks ago because Blood Origins was named in one of the British tabloid articles. Really? So I was like, all right, we've made it now. We've made it to the ears and the pen of the investigative journalists in the British tabloids. I mean, it's fabulous that you've you've took that line because that was the reason why I started my my little podcast. And I've got I've got a few listeners, but not many. But I've and I've had trouble getting into the, where I want to get with it. But I've had a bit of fun with it as well, so that's been good. But I've taken the that's what it's all about, right? It's all about having fun and, and engaging with people that you never would have engaged with in, in before, right? Exactly. I mean, I've had the chance to talk to um, Brendan, who's at. Um, uh, Life's a boar. Who does all the like boar hunting videos? Um, I mean, I would never have had a chance. Would never had a chance to talk to him before. And I emailed him to look, do a t- chat. And actually, his views on on the working dogs was exactly the same as mine. So it was it was really nice to have that chat. Um, and but also my my thing is is I'm a gamekeeper in the UK. Okay. And I've now got a family, and my daughters are going to lose so much if people don't understand what we're doing. Um, exactly you know my my life has already changed because of the laws in the uk and if people don't understand why we shoot why we hunt and the things that come from it we're going to be in dire straits and it's and that's across the world unfortunately not just well i think the problem is with the voices that are so loud right now against trophy hunting against you know moorland management they're voices that are uneducated and they're voices that are there for the here and now, sort of the short-term 
popularity gain. Yeah. And they're not thinking 10 years down the line for your kids and my kids one day. And unfortunately, we can scream until we're blue in the face and say, look, this is what's going to happen. And then unfortunately, it's just going to be like, all right, this is going to happen now. And we have to showcase what it ha- how it happens. And that's one of the things that we want to do in the project is, okay, guys, you hear, until, you hear us until we're blue in the face. You want to ban trophy hunting. And here's what's actually going to happen. You're not going to save wildlife. You're actually going to kill wildlife. You're going to kill more wildlife than is actually being taken by hunting practices right now. And so that is counterintuitive to the entire argument that you're putting forth. You're saying ban trophy hunting because you want to get rid of the 50, 100, whatever it is, lions, elephants. It's all the mega, you know, mega charismatic fauna the charismatic megafauna, sorry, that you're, that you're interested in. But have you really tallied up how much is actually going, how much life is going to be lost because of this idea that you're banning this, this activity that's actually keeping everything in place? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've been sort of going through the website of yours and you've got some fantastic projects on, on you know, going through and it's, it's been a real breath of fresh air to see somebody actually taking it, you know, taking it, you know, it's like the whole thing we've got in the UK. Our firearms licenses over here are just mental. And I, and I envy most countries for, for their ability to have what firearms they like, really, and to hunt how they like. Um, but the thing is, you know, we're governed so much, but actually the problems with the firearms are still there because them who can abide by the laws are going to abide by the laws. Them who don't, don't. So the bit they're, they're missing is still missing because... They're not doing it. And it's the same with the trophy hunting. You know, people are still going to poach and do bits and pieces, whether you want them to or not. So, you know, that's what needs to be worked on and to stop the stuff that isn't, it isn't, you know, detrimental to the, to the um, environment and to, uh, to definitely, you know, police, police what's going on, you know, properly. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, of course it does. Of course it does. You know, it's, and it's and it's it's hurtful, you know. I mean, we I have we, even on mine, my little shoot, you know, we have poaching problems all the time, you know. And that's just for hares, you know. I'm, I've got friends up in Scotland who have got big time deer poachers, and it's the same as you know, come to you, you've got you know, and then and you go across you know across the world, and it's going to happen in the same place, and it's it's just affecting people's livelihood. That's the key, is that nobody's thinking about the economics, nobody's thinking about livelihoods, nobody's thinking about the consequence, okay? Yeah. That is the problem. And, and, it's, and it's, it's a difficult, it's a challenge that we do have to undertake. Um, but it's, it's difficult when all that someone sees is the action, right, is the purpose. So for instance, I know you want to talk about trophy hunting and I'll keep using trophy hunting as examples. I cannot change the motivation of an individual that wants to go hunt a lion, okay? I can't. If he wants to just go hunt a lion because he wants to kill a lion, that's his motivation, okay? He's never, that person, maybe one out of 10 is going to change, but the vast majority of people are not going to change why they go to Africa because it's good for conservation or it's good for people. That's not going to happen. So... Let's forget about the purpose of why someone goes. 
Yes, they may be fat. Yes, they may be out of shape. Yes, they may be rich. Okay, let's put that aside. Let's look at the consequence of that action. The consequence of that action is a significant amount of revenue. And we could go into examples of you know, Tanzania, Mozambique, Zambia, South Africa, Namibia. The model is the same. A hunter comes in, spends a buku amount of money, to hunt that one animal. It would take almost 77 tourists to cover the cost of one hunter. And that's not these big lion elephant hunts. You're talking about just a typical little planes game hunt, five days, seven days. That's 77 tourists. We're not talking about, we're not talking about carbon footprints. We're not talking about ecological footprints, not talking about diversity impacts, none of that. Put that all to the side. One hunter, $100,000, and the money goes directly to the communities and various percentages from 100% in Namibia all the way down to uh, 25% in areas. Money goes to the governments to fix fences in national parks build community infrastructure away from the area that the money's actually going to. Money's going to those areas to build schools, to give access to medical, employment, all the jobs, the trackers, the skinners, the cooks, the cleaners, the drivers, the people who fly the aeroplanes. That is the consequence. And it's the same thing with gamekeeping in England. Yeah. And in the UK, you've got all these things that happen because someone wants to shoot a hare or someone wants to shoot a pheasant. Okay, I have no problems with you banning trophy hunting. Tell me how you're covering all of this when you take it away. Yeah, 100%. You know, I didn't realize, I listened to a podcast, actually, probably before I started doing mine, um, or it's just on the on the brink of, and they were talking about trophy hunting, and it was actually the same time as the um, the government were tackling the Taha in um, in New Zealand. Um, yeah, we covered that issue pretty hard. Yeah, uh, and meat eaters did as well. Mm-hmm. And um, they were talking about, and I hadn't really thought about, it, but like you know, coming to the UK and shooting a red stag. And how if if that, that is you know is partly trophy hunting and if, if it all if it all comes banned you come over here and shoot your your stag all of a sudden you can't take that stag's head home with you and that's you know and at that point the world's gone mental you know at the end of the day all that's going to happen back is going to get chopped up and put into for a dog bone and someone's paid a lot of money and and has and has filled a lot of pockets on the way to get to that point and it's and it's oh, I see I, I think it's just criminal. Yeah, I think the, 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 again, come back to the consequence, right? So they have an issue. Someone has an issue with the fact that if I went to Scotland and I said, I want a stag hunt, and which I do, I want to put a stag on a pony and I want to do the traditional, and I was going to do it in October last year, but obviously COVID yeah, uh, slammed us to do it. Um, but if, if I chose, so what they have a problem with is me, doing all of those activities that we just described, putting money into the pockets of outfitters, of restaurants, of accommodations, um, gamekeepers, stalkers. And the problem they have with me doing it 
is they don't have a problem with all that. They have a problem with me taking the skull and the, and the antlers and putting it on a wall and remembering the adventure that I have. Okay. But they, I think there would be, if they say, well, we don't want that to happen anymore. It's a little hypocritical of them to be completely okay with that stag being shot on the side of the mountain and being chopped up for dog food. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. And and you know what what point uh, what a lot of people probably don't understand as well. Going back to the the fill in the pockets bit is you know if you go to an estate, usually an estate has a deal with a hotel where you go and stay, and then it's all built in. Or I know one estate in Scotland that has their own hotel, so that's a lot of revenue lost because because you can't put it on your wall. Yep. Um, yep. And like I said, you know, remembering it, I've got pictures on my phone, actually not on my phone, on my old laptop now, because I'm a bit more cautious of what I take pictures of. But I used to like um, take pictures of foxes that I'd shot, like long range. And that wasn't because I'm sick or um, wasn't that, um, or anything like that, or a psycho. It was a fact that that was a hell of a shot. And I could go through all them pictures now and tell you where I'd shot it and and how I'd come to, to for that fox. And, you know, that's, that's the bit I enjoy. And um, well, that's the problem, right? Now. What, so one of the things you meant you're, you're touching on there is we have elements of of what we do as hunters um, that we partake in and we enjoy, and you know that fox long range scenario is not really. Again, here's the here's the rub, right? We don't enjoy the killing aspect of it. That's just part and parcel of it. We enjoy the fact that we're managing and know the benefits of that management. We also enjoy the fact that we are using a, a technique, a long-range rifle technique that's a little difficult, a little complicated, takes a little bit of talent, a little bit of practice. And when you pull it off, that's an accomplishment, right? It's just like um, climbing a mountain, but the end result here is that you're pulling the trigger and killing an animal, okay? I get the gravity of that difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, as you said, you, you'll still, you still do it. It's still necessary for management, but it doesn't need to end up on social media. Yeah, no, no, it doesn't. And, no, and that is the downfall of hunting, yeah. is that you've got this platform, this open voice to the world that for some reason, we as a hunting community believe that all these things that we, we do that we typically used to share with our friends yeah. or keep to ourselves is now going to be consumed in the public space. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's one of them things. I, you know, I don't disagree with, with people who go out and put it on social media, but I do disagree at the same time because though you are proud of what you've done, as there's especially like on Instagram where anybody really can, can look at your pictures, you know, that's fueling a different fire. And it's a very fine line. I mean, on my on my on my Instagram for my podcast, you can go through all the pictures, and there's pictures of me um, ferreting um, the rabbits, but you will not see me with one dead animal. And it's because that's not the message that I'm trying to put out. The message is, you know, the, the good that we are doing and the reasons why. Um, my my I had made I made a huntsman absolutely freak out when I first started talking about my podcast. You know, I want to talk about hunting and foxhounds, and I said. You know, for the ban, you know, you know, if we take away the fox being killed at the end of the hounds, let's look at the beginning of the circle of the, the covers being laid for the, 
for the well, you know, for, for technically for the foxes to go in. But from that, you've got nesting for, for wild birds. You've got rabbits that are going to get under there. You've got so much more going on there than people really realise. And, and people need to understand that exact process because I know the end result is is what it is. I said, but I think the means absolutely 100 percent, you know, takes over the the why, and, and it's just people don't understand because of again social media. You know, you can take snippets from this, that, and the other, and make something look something that's bad look absolutely horrific. But you know, technically, that's not that at all. And, and, that, and that I've got a huge passion for it. You can probably see, and it really gets my goat like the whole. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely and it's a shame and, and, and i've done i said it and, it, and, it fall, and i fall into this bracket it's millennials and i'm unfortunately i fall into the millennial bracket oh, <laughs> me. and that's why I, want, I just want to try educate people i don't want to change people's mind if you want to be against it be against it but hear why we do it please you know understand why we do it and and that's you know i come from from uh, sandringham that's my background so i'm all estate my dad was a keeper and I learned, you know, how the land management works, especially dad, he was old school, you know, why we need the hedges thicker, why we need this, why we need that. And it's not all about the kill. And and I've got, I got that from dad and I've tried, I maybe lost my way a little bit early 20s and want to kill everything. Um, but since I've sort of grown up, I've come back to that. And actually, I really appreciate them lessons now and, 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 well, and I understand. Yeah, I think everyone goes through that evolution, right? Everyone goes through that evolution of hunting. And I think one of the things that, and you have to, I think you've got to go through that bloodlust stage to get it out of your system. But I would say also to that is that there is a narrative that we're trying to push, that you're feeling, that you're hearing, that you're implementing, that, you know, I've got two young boys, nine and seven, and I'm explaining to them why we trap, why we hunt predators, you know, why we take this animal, not that animal. And my actions obviously are going to dictate how they interact with hunting and, and interact with wildlife. And so we're almost changing the culture a little bit of, yeah, I think they'll go into that bloodlust stage a little bit, but hopefully they'll move through it very quickly and come in it with it. They'll come into it also with a very much better understanding of their why yeah. Uh, because that was important to me to explain to my boys when I killed a predator that I trapped, you know, why are we doing this? We're not doing it just because we like trapping things and killing things. Yeah. Uh, but the implications for turkeys and quail and game birds and balance, predator-prey balance, you know, all those things are being infused into their little brains as they develop and hopefully, you know, seeing a different narrative uh, versus the typical, yeah, I don't mean a bit derogatory, but the typical redneck, uh, you know, yeah. classic, the classic perception of who you and I are supposed to be as hunters. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, it's funny, you know, you look through the foxhounds or um, the bow hunters or the shooters and, and everyone's got that one, that one thought of what that person is. You know, you look at the fox hunting, they think of rich people on horses. You look at um, bow hunters, they really do think rednecks. And it's and it's funny how you get channeled into the category. And, and I know a lot of people who, who, who fox hunt, who, uh, who are firemen and who are, you know, work for the hospitals and everything else. And 
just not the typical person who would who would be associated with that. And it's a shame, really, that that it, it's gone that way. But I mean, we haven't helped ourselves, and and we haven't helped ourselves in two ways. One is social media putting stuff on there we shouldn't be doing, and two. A lot of people have buried their heads in the sand. They've gone, now that'll go away, that'll go away. And they won't push the mm-hmm. going on. We all need to stand together more more now than ever to push the good and push 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 the reason. But yeah. No, it's all, you know, every day there's a fight, right? Yeah. Uh, I just saw yesterday another bill got introduced here in America in one of the states to on a state level basis to ban the import of trophies. African trophies into a state and we already defeated one in California last year and this year it's Connecticut has has stepped up and I know California will step up again yeah and they're just going to keep coming they're just going to keep coming um you know you guys get it all the time with the Packhams of the world and the yeah. Moorland of the world and the saboteurs of the world in the UK it's it's a we you guys have got something else right there man holy smokes we are hammered all the time. And, and, and like I said, I've got nothing against them. I mean, I've met aunties and I know some, some, I know some very nice people. And it's, you know, it's, but there's others out there that just want to go for a scrap. There's others there that are passionate about it. There's a lot, then there's a lot in between who are just misinformed. And it's, it's a shame that, you know, Chris Packham is not helping our cause. Um, I don't want to speak ill of anybody, but Jesus Christ, he's a pain. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, it's it's a shame because he's a big bird watcher. But I've done an episode not so long ago um, talking about um, the RSPB and how they're spending you know taxpayers' money to kill stoats on on certain places or certain moorlands. Well, hang on a minute. What kind of gamekeepers do that? We've been doing that for years, and we're better at it. Um, you know, and it's just one of them things. You just think nobody knows this. People are just so misinformed, and it's. And it's Right. A, shame, a real shame. So, what other projects have you been up to? So, I've been on the internet sort of scouring. So, I've, I've seen obviously the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the um, tar one, um, which is interesting. And then you've got the Rhino project there as well. But you've got all sorts going on. So, so tell us a little bit what's going on. Yeah. So, we've got, we had five projects last year in 2021, in 2020. And uh, we essentially launched all those projects mid year in a COVID year, which was a bit crazy. Yeah. Uh, and we got them all funded. So the TAR project was one that came out the gate right away. It was our way to push against the narrative that was coming out of the New Zealand government from a non-hunter's perspective about what TAR was. It's a fantastic, exceptional film. If you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor. It's called The Difficult Treasure. Yeah. And it, it explains the beauty of TAR from a non-hunter's perspective. And a hunter took, we took four non-hunters into the backcountry of New Zealand and showed them tar for the first time with a hunter. Yeah. Um, then the second project we funded was a, a project called Everyone Deserves to Play. Yeah. And uh, I'm a huge soccer fan. I've been a soccer fan since I was four years old and soccer was my life. And we built a soccer field in the middle of freaking rural South Africa for these kids out of a school. And we built it out of old anthills. We mixed the clay with cement instead of using grass and uh, four weeks from turning the first shovel over to full completion. And we filmed the entire thing. And that film will be coming out um, about in the April, May timeframe, just showing what hunters do. You know, we do all these things that nobody gets to understand or see. And that's our job. Um, 
We have another project called the Sun Project, and that really is a testament to what happens very often on these big hunting outfits in, in South Africa and around Africa, in which most of the meat that is shot is donated to the communities. Sometimes, like this outfit, they have a special relationship with a boarding school, a primary school, and they pretty much feed that primary school and the boarding school every night with meat that's coming off the property. And so we helped them in COVID because they didn't have any hunters coming in, which meant no animals were being hunted. And so there was no food for the orphanage, really. Um, so, or the boarding school, sorry. Um, so we did that. And then we did a project in America, which is Raising Outdoors, which really is uh, the uh, taking kids and hunting camps, essentially, or outdoor camps, but it's a little different in that you have a ton of camps out there that, you know, kids just attend and the parents drop them off and they, and they come and pick them up. And what this camp does differently is it engages an adult or a mentor with that individual kid. So when they leave camp, they don't just lose the skills because the parents doesn't know how to shoot a rifle, doesn't know how to pull a bow back, doesn't know how to fish. They get the skills at the same time as the kids get the skills. Yeah. And so they're able to keep that tradition going or, or that activity going post leaving camp. So those were the 2020 projects. Um, 2021, we have a bunch of projects happening behind the scenes right now. We haven't decided which project we're going to launch yet publicly. Um, but I do have a, a number of projects. Unfortunately, the biggest one we were going after, we were chasing that big, I don't know if you saw it, but there's a, there's 170 elephants right now for sale in Namibia. Right, no, I have And uh, we wanted to buy them and we wanted to move them. Yeah. But we're talking about a $3 million project and we're just too small and we don't have the connections enough yet to be able to do that. We wanted to join, like, I, you know, I invited Ricky Gervais. I said, Ricky, come on, jump on with me. I need your money. You know, let's move some elephants. You can take all the credit, but let's just do this. And obviously crickets, silence, right, yeah, from yeah. those kinds of individuals. Um, we have several documentary projects about, again, hunting all over the world, Australia. We have one in South Africa that we're going to do in, in April. Um, we have a project that we're working on in Bolivia. Uh, we have a couple of projects here in America. So we have a really a smorgasbord of documentary projects lined up for 2021 and some direct implementation projects that we're working on behind the scenes. But as I said, we haven't released anything publicly yet. We're just trying to get our ducks in a row of yeah, yeah. what exactly we want to push out first. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Um, that's brilliant. You know, you, you've achieved what I want to achieve. So if I can get anywhere near half of, or a third of the way where you have, I'll be happy. That is, is that's fantastic. It really is. And it's given so much back as well. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's uh, it's certainly a labor of love right now. And we push the stone every single day Yeah. Um, up the mountain. I literally stood last week thinking to myself, you know what, I've lost it. You know, I, I've been trying to push my YouTube more. I've been trying to ask. And I, I really went away from from what I wanted to start with. And I thought, do you know what, what am I doing? What am I actually doing? I want to talk to interesting people. I want to talk about the countryside. And I want to talk about the pluses. And here I am looking at looking at other things to try and make myself get more followers. I'm thinking, now nah, I'm losing it. And I, and I nearly literally just stopped the whole thing. And then I just had a sort of, had a word with myself and um, I'm now back on track. So uh, 
yeah, it's, it's got to be done. And if we don't push it forward, then... Yeah, and I think you've got to recognise this. And this is one of the things that I, I implemented quite some time ago. I don't care how many people follow us. Yeah. I don't care how many people like us uh, or hit that little like button or engage with us or whatnot. It's amazing how many people are watching. Yeah. And that a, an ROI on an engagement statistic does not catch. Um, and that's what's most important because I get it. I see it all the time. I see it day in and day out. People reach out to me. I'm like, hmm, I had no idea you were watching me. Or I had no idea you had that effect. And so I just would encourage you to, yeah, don't worry so much about the follows. You know, do what you love. And you're obviously doing it. And keep pushing the stone because it's helping, obviously, all of us. Uh, every little bit that we can do is certainly a, you know, another another bullet in our cartridge belt that uh, that we need. Yeah, no, and and, that's, and I went, I went down. You know, I, I had to sit down with myself and went, "What are you doing? You fool! You know, you've literally just gone from one thing to another for no reason. Let's come back, let's reevaluate, and we'll crack on." And the, the thing I've struggled with really is getting people to talk to me. There's a lot of keyboard warriors out there who would sit there and state it on on social media. So I contact them, and then, like you said, radio silence. You know, you just think, yeah, okay, big man behind the screen, but you won't sit there and chat to me. Hundred percent. And uh, it's a shame, really, but you know, it'll it'll come. It'll come. Yeah, it'll come. It'll come. You know, and I I think that's uh that's one of the things I've always wanted as well is, you know, the guys that attack you, even actually not even the antis, more of the hunters, the hunters that jump on each other. Yeah. And I'd like to just reach out to them and say, hey, you seem to have an issue here. Why don't you and me get on a podcast and let's debate this issue and let's really deep dig into the reason why you think the way you think. Because I think if, if we dig a little bit and I push you a little bit, I think you're going to come to realize that you haven't really thought about why you, your position is the way that it is. Yeah, no, exactly, 100%. So that was Robbie uh, from Blood Origins. Um, if you have anything to say on the matter, I want to hear it, okay? Um, this is not a one-sided conversation, so get involved. Um, if you have interesting topics, if you know something's worth chatting to, if you disagree with the whole of what this whole conversation has been, leave a comment, send a message, um, find someone on socials, on all the social platforms. Um, yeah, get in touch and we'll make it happen. So don't forget to say hi on social media if you don't already. And uh, check out Blood Origins. All the links are in the bio below. And yeah, thanks for watching. Till next time, catch you later.